Welcome everybody back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and like always, I have my co-host, Matt, here with me. The most unpredictable night, I think, in Jets football history occurred last night on Monday Night Football. Um, We'll get the obvious out of the way. Unbelievably, Aaron Rodgers is out for the season with a torn Achilles uh, after only four snaps. It really is just an, an unfathomable reality. And then after that happens, somehow the Jets go on to beat the Bills in overtime anyway and walk out with a punt return touchdown from an undrafted rookie free agent receiver, Xavier Gibson, who goes 65 yards to the house in overtime. Defense forces a three and out. Bills win the toss. Gibson does the rest and the Jets win 22 to 16. And maybe the most improbable Jets victory I I can possibly remember ever. Matt, I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, You have a little more experience in this department than me. Um, Is there another point in time when, if we just think to when Aaron Rodgers was leaving the game before we knew any severity or anything past that, that at that point that you said to yourself, the Jets are going to win this game? Uh, b- before the injury. You're saying, right? Uh, uh, no, as, the, as, no. He's le- as he's leaving. After the as injury. As he's leaving? No, as no, he's leaving the field. Not. Uh, no, not even close. Uh, I thought that Zach has always been uh, th- this guy that we want to reach the, the length and the heights that we've dreamed of, but is not there. Uh, we saw how he played in preseason. It wasn't up to snuff. We saw improvement for sure, but it was not what we saw as at the level that we need to to have him as a prolific starting quarterback. So I I think we all agreed that we wanted a redshirt season from him, and for him to be thrust into the spotlight once again. I feel like this always happens to him as well. It's either they they bench him and then he we have to go back to him, or he gets hurt and our backups maybe thrive for a little bit and then we have to go back to him. Either way, he's always coming back. He's getting his opportunities, and he usually after those those long breaks, he makes good on those opportunities too. And he did uh, this. Monday as well. Uh, he came right in and he kind of looked like the old Zach in that he, his vision, his eyes are still kind of erratic. Uh, and sometimes they, they focus way too hard on receivers. And then you also saw improvement because I don't know how many times in the last couple of years we've seen him struggle with the short, easy stuff, whether it's screens, whether it's slants, whether it's quick passes in, in the flat. He's always kind of either overthrown it, uh, underthrown it, or just been wildly erratic. And he definitely improved in that aspect. So there's encouragement with that alone, because if you can get the easy stuff, we already kind of knew that he can handle the harder stuff. So. If he can put all that together, then you have an average quarterback. Uh, so when he came in and he started doing that, I felt a little bit more encouraged, but I still thought that the Bills team was going to eventually uh, get one over on us, whether it was Allen, you know, being the elite quarterback that he is, or just their defense finding a way to to really just take it to Zach and maybe scoring something that way. But it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. It it just kept flooding our way. Whether our defense just didn't want to give up a single yard and just kept getting turnovers. That's another thing that we didn't really see a lot last year is the turnovers. And we got them in bunches. And more specifically, or one guy, Whitehead, uh, who I don't believe had even close to three interceptions all of last year. So he and, I think and he now had he has two last year, he if I'm remembering correctly. He had I, one I in Pittsburgh right. and then he had one on Allen in New York again. Um in a game the Jets beat the Bills, funny enough. Um 
but I think those were his only two. And he actually had what's what's funny as well. He had an incentive in his contract where if he had at least three interceptions in a season, (laughs) he got an extra 250 K bonus and he got it in week one. It's funny how that all worked out. Uh, And it was extremely exciting just to see them not give up because in this kind of situation where you lose your hype machine, the guy that everybody's been waiting to see, and then he goes down after four plays. It's so easy to just throw it in, like, well, that's it. <laughs> that's the season. Uh, but no, they didn't. They stuck to it. They showed everything that we thought that they kind of encompassed in, in the preseason, that that fighting spirit, that never-die spirit that Sala uh, and Rogers kind of bring to the table that they kind of want to instill on the team. And they didn't give up. They didn't roll over. And I was very impressed by that. And I think that going forward, I think going forward, that is something that they can lean on, especially when times are tough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, credit, all the credit in the world to Robert Sala for having the worst possible outcome happen. And you go into halftime down 13 to three and you find a way to take the lead, get a score 13 unanswered, make it 16, 13 bills tie late with a field goal. And you get a chance to take, take them on an overtime and you force a three and out and return the punt for a score. And your team fights until the very, very end when, like you said, they could have lied down. And that is, it gives you some hope for the future, despite how, horrible things feel right now even beating the bills on monday night football as great as that was and the excitement of the comeback and everything else as as bittersweet as this has been you have that little bit of hope that you have a team that isn't completely quitting you have a team that isn't completely ready to lie down after the first game after the first four snaps on offense that you know who knows what week eight, week nine, week eleven is going to look like, but at least for the first couple of weeks, that this team still believes they can fight, and now they have a really good example to build off and hope and show themselves. You know we can still do this. So I think it's a huge, huge, huge testament to Robert Sala for that. Oh, absolutely. Now my fear is that this was just like a one game thing. Like they, Aaron goes down. Every, the entire team rallies around him. They're like, we're going to win this game for Aaron. And then the game is over. They win it. That rush of excitement. And then reality kind of sets in for where the team actually is. Uh, and I think a lot of fans felt that as well, right? You have the everybody's soul leaving their body at the same time when when Aaron gets carted off the field. Then you have the jubilant celebrations after that punt return for a touchdown. And then now what are we left with? Now it's just kind of, you know, acceptance of the horror of what just happened. And I feel like it's not just the fans that feel that, that it is also the players. So I, not to go too far into next week already, but I can see them being that that deflation kind of catching up to them. Uh, so I hope it, it's not a one-game thing and that it extends into the rest of the season, but I wouldn't be surprised if it isn't. Yeah, that's, um, that's the main concern right now, uh, and I think that's really where we're going to spend the big majority of this episode is where do we go from here? Um, and so we got to look at things from a couple of different ways. First and foremost, you uh, were mentioning him earlier, we have to talk about Zach Wilson, because from Robert Sala's account, and that's the only, you know, we haven't heard publicly from Joe Douglas directly yet, but in terms of the Jets brass and their coaches and their decisions, Sala has made it clear more than once at this point, Zach is their quarterback. He's going to be their quarterback. He's their starter the rest of the year. They're looking into some veterans to come in and be a backup, you know, whether that's as a practice squad guy and Tim Boyle gets called up to be the number two or Boyle stays and whoever they sign becomes the backup is irrelevant. Zach Wilson's the number one. And like you had mentioned, Matt, we saw some improvement from him compared to where things were last year when we really got done seeing him for the most part. And were there improvements? Yes, but you're coming from such a, a low bar that 
you know, improvement is encouraging, but it's still not up to the level of where it needs to be to give this offense the threat that it needs in the passing game to take advantage of this all-star defense and be this caliber of team that they clearly can be. You know, make no mistake about it. The Bills tried their hardest to lose this game. Josh Allen threw two really dumb interceptions that were, one was an arm punt and one was a prayer on a post route that, you know, took points away on a decent drive. You get the last interception on a corner route that Jordan Whitehead jumps when he's got Dalton Kincaid in the flat for a first down. That's you take advantage of those opportunities. That's great. You're not going to get those every single game. And if your offense can't throw at all, it's going to be a big struggle. We saw a couple of nice throws from Zach Wilson. My concern is that they were all in the exact same part of the field. We saw a nice third down conversion deeper to Alan Lazard, where he threw into a, a really tight window and zone coverage and saw Lazard coming open late picked up like 17 or 20 yards on the third and long. Very nice throw. We saw another throw um, on a cover two rotation to Garrett Wilson later in the game to get the Jets into the red zone. Same deep right seam-ish area part of the field. Again, nice throw. Leads Garrett away from the defender. Throws it where Garrett can get it or it's going to be incomplete. And we saw a couple nice throws to the flat. And we didn't really see much else because the Jets were absolutely terrified of letting him throw the ball. They were, they, were, they were horrified of letting him throw the ball on screen passes, which it's nice to see that that's a, a feature in their offense now that we saw a little bit from Michael Floor um, in his first year as Jets offense coordinator and then basically never again um, after the Bengals game that year where they won on Halloween. We basically never saw any screens after that. Good to see that that's part in the part of the offense again and they have we'll get to this man eventually soon a superstar running back in Brees Hall that can take advantage of those plays but you got to be able to do more and it's an encouraging sign to say the least that despite for most of the game having very little threat of a passing game whatsoever that the Jets were still able to put up 172 yards rushing on the number two defense in the league a year ago and Brees Hall looks somehow better than, than he did before, if not the exact same, and is able to rip off like 127 yards on 10 carries, gets an 83-yard run um, on his second touch that less than a year after tearing his ACL. I mean, that's incredible. That, that's, that's absolutely astounding. Is this team the 2009 Jets? that has such a good defense and has such a good running game that they don't need to have a huge passing game because no team's ever going to score more than 14 on them in the season. We don't know yet, but I, I'm not super, super encouraged either way to sit here and go in this day and age, in this year, 2023 in the NFL with all of the talent in the AFC and your own division and what appears to be a Miami Dolphins team that can score basically whenever they want. How can you play this style of football and win? I'm just, it's really hard to look at things going forward and say, this is all going to work out and and Zach's going to be able to rebound. If he does, great. They might have a chance. But when the team is this terrified to let him throw the ball, where you have nine man loaded boxes again, just like it was week 12 last year, and we're running the ball on first and second down, into nine man loaded boxes because we don't trust our quarterback to make a throw that on the most spectacular passing play of the night, which is Garrett Wilson's circuit catch circus catch touchdown. It takes Garrett Wilson literally knocking the ball out of Tredavious <laughs> White's like hands, tipping it back to the outside where it should have been thrown and not to the inside. The one possible place he couldn't throw that route on a fade route. He throws it, leaves it too far inside and Garrett has to backhanded it knock it back to himself, spin around, fall on his back and catch it anyway. There is so much. I'm, I was very, very, very. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Doom ridden watching Zach Wilson play for most of the (laughs) night. I gotta be honest. There was a couple of nice throws. There was a couple of plays that made, you know, some nice throws to the flat, some screens, 
able to fit the ball into some tight windows once or twice. Yeah. Was it the worst Zach Wilson performance we've ever seen? No. His interception was horrible. His interception was classic Zach Wilson. That we don't even see anybody over the middle of the field. That you have a high-low levels concept. I I would have preferred, looking back, uh, Nathaniel Hackett to have those spaced out a little bit more and not have Lazard, and I believe it was Conklin, so tightly congested over the middle of the field where everybody's going to be looking and Zach's going to have his eyes. Either way, you have Lazard open. You see the linebackers dropping behind him, Milano trying to undercut deep. And instead of throwing the ball to an open Lazard, you try and throw behind him and it ends up intercepted. But Milano picked it. The two other linebackers on the Bills would have if he didn't. One of the two of them. And that's you. Can you survive in the NFL without being able to throw over the middle of the field? Because I feel like the Jets passing game has to be screens and shots to the outside where Wilson only has to read half the field. And if they do anything else, it's going to be a disaster. Yeah, it's very troubling when you put it that way. Uh, that. <laughs> You can tell that what Zach is comfortable with, they're kind of leaning on. They're like, oh, okay, he can throw the screen pass now. Let's do that. Oh, he can throw it in the flats now. Let's do that. Uh, they're those two uh, plays that you said with Lazard and, and Wilson. They're going to, teams are going to sit on these now. They're, they know what to yeah. expect. They know what his strengths are. And they're going to force him to go outside of, his comfort zone and there's just just not a lot that they have confidence in him to do there's not a lot that we really have confidence in him to do so that means they're gonna have to rely a lot on their running game and yeah like you said hall looked amazing uh our run blocking looked pretty damn good as well yes it that's did. very encouraging they but- picked up a third down on third and short by being able to run the ball effectively. And then they got a quarterback sneak on fourth down by being able to move the line of scrimmage. This is the first time the Jets have been able to move the line of scrimmage in like three years. Exactly. And that's something that I thought was key to really getting over the hump, uh, at least back when we had Rodgers, is to, to be that short, uh, a team that's able to get that short yardage when we need it. Um, but Teams, better defenses are going to start keying in on these, and it's going to be very hard to beat them. With that said, I think where Zach is now, while still not where we need it, is at a higher level than last year. And I would say if we had this level of Zach last year, we'd probably make the playoffs. We'd probably beat teams like the Patriots. We probably beat the, the Vikings, probably beat the Lions. There's probably a few other games that we, we win that we lost. And as soon as we get past this really hard stretch, the the schedule kind of opens up a little bit. And we can maybe see Zach kind of find a, a path. But there's still so much that needs to happen and so many things that need to fall our way that it's just hard to see right now. It's all so murky. The, the, the dust cloud that's been kicked up after this Rogers news is so thick that it's so hard to see a path forward. All we can see right now is right in front of us, what's right in our hands. And that's a Zach that is very troublesome, worrisome right now. And I don't see a way in which it could work long term uh maybe it, it works out short term but yeah throughout the season I, I i don't see it really holding much water for for too long teams will figure it out and it will be neutralized and and once that happens what do we fall back on then yeah um i don't want to be I, I guess that guy will go with that saying um for right now but there's a very, very clear pattern when you look at Zach Wilson as a quarterback in the NFL. Um, And that is that when he's been away for however long and he's been mainly practicing, he's fresh, he's rejuvenated, he's encouraged, he's confident, and his mechanics are clean. They're 
seemingly in rhythm. He has strong base when he was throwing for a lot of his passes. His arm was tight. He wasn't, you know, shaky with his feet. It was driving the ball. Looked all nice and good. And this isn't the order of how I wanted to break things down, uh, but we got to get the bad out of the way first if we're on the topic of Zach Wilson and how this all feeds into each other. The offensive line, specifically the offensive tackles, specifically, specifically Dwayne Brown, were beyond concerning. Beyond. Beyond, beyond, beyond concerning. For the record, while we're on this topic, this is the only thing I'm going to say, and then we're going to move on. Dwayne Brown is not the reason Rodgers is hurt. Rodgers is the reason Rodgers is hurt. He couldn't read a slant flat with Garrett Wilson coming wide open, knowing it's cut protection, knowing he has to get the ball out quick. Instead, he plays hero ball, tries to run around, gets tackled awkwardly. Moving on, we're not blaming Dwayne Brown for that play. We can blame Dwayne Brown for all the other pressures he gave up, that he just gave up. And both things can be mutually exclusive. This guy is almost 40. He barely practiced all summer. He played through a torn rotator cuff all of last season and then missed most of the summer because he was still injured. And it looked like it. It really, really looked like it. To where the Jets brass, a a couple of weeks ago even, was saying, oh my God, Dwayne Brown's back. Here we go. The savior has arrived. The offensive line's going to gel. We're getting healthy at the right time. That's what we heard. And we saw the results of no practice, no training camp, age, injury, all catching up at once. His feet were were in quicksand. He didn't look like he could move. His punches were tissue paper. He was getting knocked off his spot and had zero anchor, basically with ease. Trying to cut block looked just pathetic at times. You know, this was not a good performance. And it relates back to Zach Wilson in the sense that he starts great, keeps his mechanics tight. He's able to stand tough in the pocket. And after game after game after game, he gets worse because he gets hit more and more and more. And the more he gets hit, the more he falls into his bad habits, the more the mechanics start falling apart, the more the field vision starts suffering, the more the confidence starts going away. And we see him unravel. And if you look back to his entire career, Week one, his first game against the Carolina Panthers as a rookie. I was there in person in Charlotte, saw the game live. Throws for 222 yards and two touchdowns, gives the Jets a chance to come back. Their offensive line was garbage. They could not run the ball. They lost Mekhi Becton at halftime, and it was over from there. It was Zach against a, a chaotic, exotic defense ran by Phil Snow, the defense coordinator of the Panthers at the time. Zach still does enough to get them back. Throws a bad interception over the middle, classic Zach Wilson, early in the game is able to come back, rally them, get them within a score, and they had a chance to come back and win late at the end, couldn't pull it off. Weeks and weeks go on, we see ups and downs. Eventually, we get towards the middle of the season, right before Zach Wilson gets hurt against the Patriots, and we really start to see him start unraveling and collapsing. He gets hurt, misses a handful of games, comes back. I believe it was against the Eagles that season um, when he came back. Played an all right game. Next week was against the Buccaneers. Played a really, really good game. We're excited. Season ends. Go to the next year. He gets hurt in the preseason. Misses the first four. First game back, Pittsburgh Steelers. Arguably the best game Zach Wilson's ever played a quarterback for the Jets. Week four in Pittsburgh last season. Week five against Miami. Does a little bit less. Able to make a couple of good throws. Get a nice play to Brees Hall. Jets defense does a lot of the heavy lifting. Their run game does a lot of the heavy lifting. They blow out the Dolphins. Next week, Green Bay makes one big pass to Corey Davis down the sideline and can basically barely complete anything else for the rest of the game. Jets defense overwhelms the Packers, is able to walk away with a win. Eventually, you get to Denver. Week 7, Zach Wilson really starts to unravel. The pressure and free runners were coming at him relentlessly. They could not block anybody. He couldn't feel comfortable in the pocket. His mechanics completely and totally fall apart. Next week in New England, Throws for a lot of yards, also throws for a lot of interceptions. Jets somehow beat the Bills in Week 9. They have a bye. They go to New England, 10-3, to punt return, touchdown, wins it for the Patriots. Zach Wilson gets benched. Takes some time off, comes back against the Lions, throws for a bunch of yards, throws for 317, makes a couple of big throws downfield. Eventually, gets more starts when Mike White can't play. Starts to collapse. Next week, Jacksonville Jaguars, Thursday night football. Can't do a thing. Chris Trebler comes in at points in that game and, and, and throws a, a hospital ball to CJ Uzama and the crowd goes wild. This is the cycle with Zach Wilson. 
And so these next couple of games that are tough, we might see a couple of glimpses and flashes of things being okay. But by week four or five, if the offensive line can't figure it out and Dwayne Brown can't find another sip from the fountain of youth, eventually the pressure is going to add it uh, add up. Eventually those hits are going to start taking a toll and everything's going to unravel again. And it's going to be the same thing we've seen for two years in a row. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't help that the next couple games are going to be against some of the most prolific pass rushes uh, in, in football right now with the Eagles and uh, and the Cowboys. So, and even the Patriots to a degree. Yeah, so, Matt, Juden, Matt Judon is yeah. a freak show, and he's not the only one. Christian Barmore is a, a great inside player. The Patriots know how to scheme pressure. It's one of the things Bill Belichick's best at. Like, this is this is what they do. The Eagles' defensive line is loaded. The Cowboys' defensive line is loaded. The Chiefs are going to have Chris Jones back. They have George Karloftis, who was a first-round pick. You know, there's it's not going to get any easier, and they no. don't have any relief coming right now. There is not. But the only hope is that maybe Brown just needed some time because he didn't get it, like you just said. So now that he's got some the whole game under his belt, uh, maybe he, he he finds his legs. Maybe the whole offensive line finds their legs together because they also didn't spend a lot of time uh, practicing together as a starting unit. They only had that last game where four of them played together. So I can understand the rust. I I get it. So it's just a matter of do they improve? Do they find themselves? And in turn, can Zach break the cycle? The story is is not yet written for that offensive line and Zach, but a lot will will be written in the next couple of weeks. They have a lot to prove and not a lot of time to do it, and the situation isn't getting easier. But that's a lot of doom and gloom to to, to talk about in in such a little bit of time. Can we can we talk about the defense, please? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, talk about the defense because they were pretty much top to bottom fantastic last night my god nor they ah uh, it it's one thing to go through preseason and hyping up this defense and then seeing it in a real game and seeing all these talented players come together and really just showcase why everybody fell in love with them why everybody feared them you've got the pass rush pressuring uh allen all night whether it's uh, William uh, Q in, in the middle, uh, Huff screaming around the edge, uh, JJ looping around on a stunt, and it, it didn't really matter who it was. I think we had something like 32 pressures uh, it all, all, when it all was said and done. So, and I think five sacks, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Five I'm sacks, yep. I'm going off of PFF, which kind of grades things a little differently, but uh, just seeing the, it all come together from top, from front to back, every single stage in that defense contributed. And I, I, I was, we, none of us really got a good look at uh, the safeties uh, or even really the linebackers uh, for that much during preseason. And that middle of the field was always a worry of mine to see how they would improve from last year, where teams would pick on the middle of the field quite a bit, whether it's the safeties or the linebackers. And they couldn't do that yesterday. Quincy had the game of his life at, at linebacker. He was a wall, whether it was in coverage or in uh, run defense. He was all over the field making his presence felt. And then Whitehead, who we mentioned before, and his three interceptions was just, he couldn't be stopped. He was on a mission to get that bonus money, and, and he got it. Uh, and then you just had Dawson and Reed doing their thing uh, on the outside and the pass rush, of course. And so it all, when it clicks, it clicks. Quentin Jefferson the, uh, was a nice addition, had two sacks of his own. Franklin Myers, who we didn't see much in preseason, racking up uh, eight pressures. A total and a, and a sack so they all contributed it was all beautiful to see and 
as long as you know they all stay healthy that i can't i don't see this group really slowing down if anything they're just getting started absolutely uh, absolutely uh quincy williams is the guy i want to talk about this is what it looks like when a player finally clicks this is what it looks like when talent reaches potential this is what it looks like when when things all start coming together that like you said that's the best i've ever seen quincy williams play football for the new york jets by far not just we knew he was good in run defense we knew that when he he finds his hole and he's right and he and he gets his trigger and he comes downhill there's no stopping it that, that he's a freight train and when he meets people he he they feel it he hits them with ferocity we saw all of that but the instincts the awareness the reactions and the control more than anything else is what really stuck out to me where there were plays, especially in pass coverage on James Cook in particular, where he's covering out to the flat and he's in zone coverage and he realizes there's nobody left over the middle that I have to cover. Cook is leaking out to the flat. He's going to be open. I got to get on my horse. I got to get outside and I got to go make this tackle. And we would have seen Quincy Williams in the past do that and overrun Cook because he's trying to lay a big hit or be late to react. And then he's playing chase from behind and he misses the tackle because he's not there in time. And this was different. We saw him read, react, get to his spot on time. And then once he was there, it was perfect timing and control. Scoop the tackle, doesn't get anywhere, stops him in his tracks. He had a play on a wheel route on James Cook that was the best pass coverage rep I've seen from a Jets linebacker in a really, really long time. Where he's one-on-one covering to the outside, going up the sideline on a wheel. And just like we saw Sauce Gardner do, however many countless times last season, Playing trail from behind, has his back to the football, reads James Cook, sees his hands go up, plays through the hands, gets his arms out right as the ball is supposed to be coming in to flex the pass. Was it a great throw from Allen? No. But Quincy Williams did everything he could to make sure that James Cook had no chance of getting a hand on that ball and coming down with it. And that's not something we would have seen out of him last season, two seasons ago. So I'm I'm really excited to see how he progresses because having that speed, having that downhill, you know, aggression and ability to be a force on the inside, that's great. But if he's now using that same speed and athleticism in coverage, there's, there's really something special here. Um, I'm really excited to see it. And the other guy we got to talk about, at least in my opinion, is his little brother, Quentin Williams gets his money, gets the big contract. Little brother, brother, (laughs) which is funny. Yes. Uh, by age, not by anything else. Um, Went and played like a guy who got paid and still wants to be great. We didn't see the, the effort drop off. We didn't see you know any amount of technique. We still saw the same dominance that we expect out of him, where, again, I don't think people realize how rare it, it really is. And Aaron Donald has kind of spoiled people uh, in terms of the ceiling of defensive tackles. But he is one of one. He is a special player let alone the caliber and quality of player that he is, the type of player and how he wins in his body makeup is so unique that you can't really compare anybody to him. When looking at classic defensive tackles throughout the past, the, the, the prototypical build for what you would expect a defensive tackle to be, guys that can be absolutely disruptive, dangerous, double-digit sack artists, and also take on double teams on the inside, hold their ground, anchor, completely destroy the inside run game and take away lanes, make tackles while they're being blocked, and also shoot gaps when they're left unblocked, round a corner on a pin and pull play, beat the tackle of the spot, get around, grab a shoestring tackle on James Cook for a loss of four, explode out of your stance and get into the backfield on Aaron Jones on outside zone and just beat the reach block. To have all of those traits in one guy at an elite level it is incredibly, incredibly rare. And Quinnen looks just as good as he was last year when he was an all pro. These We got a, a serious pairing on defense uh, with these two brothers that they're going to be mainstays for a long time. I hope so. Uh, that, that family's uh, attorney is, is, is chock full of talent. Uh, and seeing it on a day-to-day basis, on a game-to-game basis, is just going to get better. <laughs> just seeing that camaraderie. Uh, and it kind of 
adds to the brotherhood of that defense. Uh, one thing I was looking at was the the, the snap uh, percentage of, of Quinnen. Since I feel like last year he was kind of hovering around 60%, maybe even a little less uh, per game. Uh, he ended up around 75% of snap in, in this game. And then JJ was right behind him with uh, about 70%. Uh, so that was very impressive. I wasn't really expecting that from, from them. I thought they would, it would be a little bit uh, lower, more like last year. So it's good to see them on the field a little bit more, especially uh, in the, later in the game in those pressure situations where we really need them the most. Yeah, uh, for Quinnen to be making as much money as he is, he should be playing that amount of snaps, and he did. And I'm sure Quinnen wouldn't want it any other way. I don't think that's anything that you'd have to convince him of or, or, or try and talk him into. I think he would want to be on the field every single snap he could uh, until he literally couldn't breathe if it was up to him. Uh, with the, the motivation and the energy that he plays with, that's obvious. So I, I'm really excited for this line. Jermaine having another game, got himself a sack in week one. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a design stunt. I'd have to go back and look to be 100% positive. I don't think it was Jermaine reading the pocket, breaking open on the inside, and Allen stepping up and redirecting himself on purpose to meet Allen in the hole up the middle and get a sack. If it was, holy crap, we have a superstar on our hands. Which, again, I don't want to say that's what happens (laughs) because I really do think it was a design stunt, and I think he kind of just got lucky that he was looping back to the middle as Allen went to step up and was just in the right place at the right time. But if that isn't the case, that's something to, to put a, a star and an asterisk by for the future and go, this was a sign. Um, the, the defensive line is just as talented as, as we could have hoped. And we still didn't even see Carl Lawson. Like that's, that's the, the crazy thing to remember is that that was with no Carl Lawson. They was still he a healthy scratch game. or is he still just coming back from that back injury? I think that he, I think it was precautionary more than anything else where I don't think that he's like out of practice. I think he was practicing, but they have so much depth. Jermaine has been so good that they didn't feel like they had to rush him back and they weren't, we're not a hundred percent sure this guy's ready and we're going to play it safe because we, you know, we saw what it was like without him two years ago. You know, his skill can be effective. He's making a lot of money. So we want to see if he can play on the field. You know, let's let's hold the horses for for this week and, and kind of play it safe with that. Um, but they still will add him in the future, and, and that's that's really scary to think about when when he gets added to this fold. And I thought Al Woods looked great too, for what it's mm-hmm. worth. Uh, had a couple yeah. of nice run stuffs, got a sack himself. You know, looked like he was just as strong and and stout against the run as you would hope uh, for a guy his size. So defensive line as advertised. Secondary, for the most part, as advertised, I do think at, for Jordan Whitehead capitalizing on those plays, great. I do think it had a little bit more to do with Allen just being bad and stupid and throwing dumb interceptions um, than Jordan Whitehead making incredible plays. The the last one I'll give Whitehead. The last one was a great break on the ball, started to the inside, didn't read any inside route coming from Gabe Davis, broke on the corner route as fast as he could, undercut it. That, that was a really good play. The other two, you know, I think it was just Allen being a little reckless. Uh, I do want to have a conversation real quick, Matt, while we're on the topic of the defense. Because, and if this is just my opinion, then I want you to correct me here. That was not the sauce gardener I'm used to seeing. Mm, no, I, definitely not. I'm, I'm not concerned yet. It was one game. You have the devastation of of the beginning of the night and everything else happening. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and make any bold claims. We know what this guy is capable of. And it's not that he was getting roasted. It's not that he was out of position. And when I say that's not the sauce gardener I'm used to seeing, what I mean is when the ball was in the air, he was passive. And I haven't seen him be passive with the ball in the air at all as a pro where he had to play on a comeback route to Stevon Diggs that he covers great. He stays in phase the entire time. He's not out of position. Diggs has got maybe a, a, a half of a yard of separation on him when the ball is thrown. And Sauce absolutely is a chance to turn back to the inside, explode, break, get his arm out, and try and make a play and swap the ball away and get an incompletion. And he kind of just watches it get caught. And that like really stuck out to me because I'm not used to seeing that from him at all. So I don't think it's something to be too concerned about. 
Uh, but yeah, it definitely, it, it just looked like he was having an off night. That it, it showed in his run defense too. I think he had two missed tackles. Um, I think totally at, he was targeted five times, gave up four receptions, uh, averaged about 14 or about 15 yards per reception. Uh, 115.8 NFL rating when thrown at. It was not his night. That was not the the sauce that we were used to. Just like you said, uh, it I it didn't look like he's hurt or anything like that. I think no. it was just I don't know, just a bad game. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I I'm he's not going to be perfect every game. I'm not going to expect him to be perfect every game. He still has the talent. We saw that talent. We saw the talent in practice. We saw the talent on hard knock. We saw the, the talent last year. It, it's there. It, it didn't go anywhere. So I'm not worried too much. Uh, if, if it becomes a trend, then I'll start asking this question a little bit harder. Uh, and the answer might be uh, something we don't want to talk about. Yeah, it's something to monitor going forward. Um, everyone's allowed a bad game every now and again. And again, this wasn't a, a terrible performance by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't like he was getting hooked left, right, and, and everywhere. It wasn't like he was wildly out of position. A lot of plays, he was in good position, and he wasn't phased, and he had an opportunity to make a play, and he just kind of didn't. And, and I think that's that's the difference more than anything else. I hope that's not a trend that continues. Um, like it or not, this season continues on. We got to look forward. There is another game on Sunday. The New York Jets are traveling to Dallas to take on maybe the hottest team in the NFL right now, the Dallas Cowboys, who just hung a 40-burger on the New York Giants, a 40-point shutout, nonetheless, on the New York Giants in the same stadium the Jets played in about 24 hours prior. Dallas is riding absolutely high. Their defense looks incredible. I do think the Giants' offense had some things to do with that, but that does not take away from the talent of that unit. We don't know what the Jets' offense is going to look like. We don't know how Zach Wilson is going to play, knowing he is the starter. We don't know what this offense is going to do to try and help him and or hide him. It is it is a tough, tough matchup. Matt, I want to get your opinion first. Just looking at this game as a whole, what, what are a couple positives that we can hope to see, and, and what are the things we really got to be worried about? Positive. Hmm. I guess the positives... We'll have to stick with the strengths of our team, which is on defense. I think our defense will be able to go toe to toe with their offense, whether it's CD Lamb, Pollard. Uh, it it I don't think it matters because I don't think that Lamb is is better than than Diggs. I don't think Cooks is better than Davis. I don't think that. Well, you know, Pollard is definitely better than any running back on 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 the bills for sure. But I think that our defense is up to the task of taking this offense on and keeping them within scoring distance. The question is, will our offense be able to to make up the slack and, and put ourselves in a position to take the lead or to keep it close? Or will it just be, you know, death by a thousand cuts? Will it be a field goal here? will be one score here maybe more field goals and yeah it doesn't need to be the highest scoring game from dallas to make it a blowout if our offense is unable to click so the only positive i can think of is that our defense will keep it as close as possible whether it's a one score game or a two score game i think it will be within reach in that aspect uh but even that can look you know overpowering uh, to the point where it seems hopeless if things don't get going on offense. Yeah, that's going to be the key. Uh, the defense hopefully can do enough to limit the Cowboys' potential. I, I still think it's not going to be easy. That offense is loaded. Dak Prescott's a solid quarterback, has his moments of being up and down, but could do a heck of a lot worse in the NFL. I think he's got a lot of talent around him. He's very experienced. Uh, I think he's familiar with the guys that he's around as well which is helpful is michael gallup's back healthy he knows michael gallup he's been with cd for years and years at this point brandon cooks is a veteran receiver that's been a bunch of places and obviously knows how to get comfortable quick with whatever quarterback he's working with you know this is a a loaded loaded offense and their offensive line is seriously talented 
Uh, you have a Hall of Famer at right guard in Zach Martin. You have a great player, maybe not as good as he once was, but still very solid in Tyler Biotish at center. Uh, Tyron Smith, when he's healthy, is another guy who could be a Hall of Famer. You know, they drafted Tyler Smith in the first round last year, a player I really like to tackle that they made a guard. I believe he missed week one with an injury, but he might be back for week two. I don't think it was a he was going to be out indefinitely situation. That could be a big deal. It didn't seem like even with a backup left guard that it mattered against the Giants, uh, who Chuma have some Adoga. pretty good defensive linemen. Chuma Adoga, of all people, starting at left guard. Still didn't seem like it mattered one bit for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, this is, um, this is going to be tough. The, the Jets are going to have to prove that, that Zach Wilson is capable, and Zach Wilson is going to prove to have to prove himself that he's capable. This defense is... This Cowboys defense is loaded to the teeth. You have great cornerbacks in Stephon Gilmore and Trevon Diggs. You have a talented safety group with the resurgence of Malik Hooker and J. Ron Kirst. You have an absolutely loaded defensive line, maybe maybe second only to the Jets. You could argue that they're better. I think they might have more star talent overall. When you look at Micah Parsons to Marcus Lawrence, you know those two guys combined. Um, that's an incredible group of talent. You have a great defense coordinator and Dan Quinn calling the plays and scheming it up behind him. This is this is going to be a really, really tough game for the Jets to win. Um, I'm really struggling to see a way in which they can find a way to win. I don't think it'll be an outright blowout. I think they'll do better than the Giants, but but this is going to be tough. So I was thinking on the way home from work today, like, how can they get anything going on offense against this defense? Because they're strong and they're fast. So you can't overpower them and you can't outrun them. So what do you do against that? And really, I don't think there's anything, you know, crazy. We're not going to throw trick plays every other play and try and catch them off guard. Uh, that's just not going to work. Uh, and it's not sustainable for an entire game. So the only thing I could think of is throwing a wrinkle out there that we didn't show last week. Uh, and then also just leaning on the things that we know are tried and true. So the first, let's start with the tried and true, and that's our running game. We know that works. We know Hall can do anything when he wants it, wants to do it. He had a, a great game, first game. You can tell his confidence is back, which is wild. Uh, at, with that recovery time. Uh, so I think that we're going to lean hard on Hall. And yeah, they're going to stack the box. Yeah, they're powerful and athletic up front, but he's still Hall. And you can only keep a, a guy like him with his talent down for so long. Eventually, he's going to find his success out there. And maybe that leads to a score. Other than that, I think something that we should really implement more is Nicole Hardman. I don't think we saw him at all. He didn't uh, play any snaps. It, he didn't Zero. play any snap. And I think most of that had to do with the fact that we were playing with, what, two or three tight ends on the field for most of the yep. game once Zach came in. So that probably means no no slot receiver. It's just going to be tight ends and 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 Garrett Wilson out there and 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 a running back in Hall or, or or Cook. So it's I think something that that could maybe catch him off guard here and there, get that jet motion, use his speed in the slot, uh take advantage of that matchup. Because speed kills and he, he's got plenty of it. You match that with his with Hall speed. You match that with Wilson speed. They'll find their successes here and there. It's not going to be, you know, plentiful throughout the entire game. They're going to get their win, of course. But we also need to get ours. And we just need to take advantage of the opportunities that, you know, present themselves. No, I agree. Uh, if, if defenses are going to put nine people in the box, a, a good way to make them stop is by putting fast playmakers in space with the ball and letting them run away from where everybody's congested to the inside in the middle. And getting Hardman involved and giving him the opportunity to make some plays, I think is a good idea. I also think, uh, counterintuitive to everything I've said about Zach Wilson to the, on this show tonight, 
I also think sometimes you just got to let Zach Wilson take some shots downfield. I think you can't be scared. You can't. If you're Nathaniel Hackett and you're the Jets offensive coordinator. Is Zach Wilson in danger of harming your offense and causing problems for you himself? Yes. But you take away any chance of success when you play so scared that you don't even want to have any sort of a threat of a vertical passing game unless it's third and long and you have no choice at that point. If they're going to be like, if teams are going to put nine in the box and they're going to leave Garrett Wilson one on one to the backside, take a shot. It's first and 10, take a shot. We saw Zach Wilson try and be Aaron Rodgers a lot after he stepped in. We saw him changing plays at the line. I swear if he hard counted one more time and let the play clock drip all the way to zero and the defensive line get the perfect jump off the snap because they knew exactly when to rush, I, I was about to lose my mind. That's, that's something he's got to chill about. Is Stop trying to hard count every single play. You're not Aaron. They're not falling for it. Get the hint. You're going to have a better opportunity by just snapping the ball and not giving the defensive line able to look up at the play clock and go three, two, one. Okay, now I go. Could be a lot better in the future. If you're Nathaniel Hackett, back to my main point, you can't help the defense by not even making them worry about that as an option. Where, yeah, it might not be successful. Yeah, you don't trust it. But if you never even try, if you never have any faith, if you have a defense that is daring you to take a shot deep and give a guy that we saw last night is capable of making plays and coming down with balls that he has no business catching anyway. In this NFL where pass interference is so common, if you still are so scared that you don't want to do it, what is that defense? What is their incentive to squatting on everything underneath and just never worrying about the deep ball? That's what we saw out of the Jets last year. We can't have that same thing happen again. So if I see one-on-one with Garrett, if I'm Zach Wilson, I'm yelling, can, 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 we're in 13 personnel, two of you tight ends block, everybody hold up, and Garrett runs straight. And I'll heave it up, try and make a play, see what happens. Uh, You have to to not be, you you can't go into this game terrified of your own quarterback. You, You have to show Dallas that you're not scared of them, you're not scared of Zach, and that if they are going to leave, even if it's Stephon Gilmore, even if it's Javon Diggs, if they are going to leave Garrett Wilson one-on-one and and dare the Jets to take a shot deep, that they have to try it. Yeah, I'm all for it. You got to take your shots. You can't be one-dimensional. You can't cut off a third of the field because a defense like this that's so talented is going to key on on these things, and it's not going to be good. It's just going to cut our legs off from underneath us. It's yeah, something really that, that they need to work on. And they need they I feel like they always get into these little ruts when the game is close. They go right into conservative mode every single time. Happened every time, every game last year, where they even were within striking distance of the lead. It was always let's just play conservative and let our defense do their thing. And if we score, we score kind of thing, but it's that you can't rely on that. That that's not a winning formula. So yeah, I am completely with you. You got to keep their defense honest. Yeah. There's, you don't have a chance if you don't, not with this group, not, not with this Dallas defense. You have no shot. You, you have absolutely no shot because then even like you talked about Matt, which is a perfectly good idea. And I agree with it. Get guys like Hardman the ball in space. Try and find some reverses. Try and find some misdirection. Try and, you know, dump things off in the flat and let them run. Receiver screen, bubble, you know, bunch bubble screen, whatever you got to do to try and generate some quick yards and get your guys the ball with ways that they can run and, and create for themselves. That's all well and good. But if the defense can just sit at seven yard depths and know that they don't even ever have to backpedal, they never have to move backwards, that they can just stand still, wait for the ball to be thrown underneath, then run straight at it, that's not going to help you either. That you know, that's only going to work so much. So I, I'm. It's a a major, major, major problem that that they need to iron out. And I hope for Zach Wilson's sake, the offensive line can block long enough to let those shots develop. Because if that can't happen, then you have no answers left. Unfortunately, that's the reality. Unfortunately, it is. Uh, in a very somber end, Matt. You want to get to some picks for this game? Uh, I don't think they're going to be too pretty. No. I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game. 
Uh, I think our defense will show out again in impressive fashion and keep them to under 20. Uh, but I don't see our offense really doing a lot. I'm going to say it's going. the Cowboys win 16-6. I'm a, I'm a little bit less optimistic than you. Um, I got to be honest. Mm. Um, there's a lot of reasons that this game could be really ugly. First things first, it's a short week. You, you played on a Monday night. Dallas played on Sunday. They have an extra day of rest. You're processing the Rodgers news. You're having to jump back in faster because it's a short week and, and get right into practicing. And here we go. Zach Wilson's quarterback and everything's new. Now we got to get adjusted to him. We've been working with Rodgers since April, and, and that's what we've been getting used to throwing to. And we've had some time with Zach, but we've all been focused on working with Aaron and everything down into exactly how he likes it. Now we got to throw all of that in the trash. Give the emotional side of that of losing the guy that everyone was supercharged and excited for. You have a Dallas defense that's absolutely supercharged. You have their locker room and their team smelling blood on top of the world. And you have to go on the road to a hard place to play, which is Dallas at home. One of the bigger home field advantages in the NFL. This just smells like a disaster to me. I think this is the hangover. This is everything coming crashing down. You have the great win. You celebrated. Now it's reality. And now you got to see, oh, we still got 16 more games to play. That that this this season isn't over. It's just starting. 28-7 Cowboys. I think I think it's oh, going to be I think it's a touchdown. Be, nice. Uh, we we score a touchdown, but it's going to be like Brees Hall runs for 37 yards and breaks loose for a play. Or 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 we throw a we get a pass interference, throwing a shot to Garrett and get on the one and quarterback sneak for a touchdown. Like it's not going to be we might get the one, but but that's going to be it. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening, unfortunately. But you know what? You mentioned the short week. Maybe that actually helps us because they, they don't have time to like sit around and, and think about the disaster of what just happened with Rogers. They have to go right back into it. Let's just get back to work. All right, everybody, just head, heads in the books, head out to the field, let's get ready, and do your job. It's, there's no time to just sit around and, and sulk. So maybe that helps a little bit. Yeah, we can only hope. Um, you're not entirely wrong that, you know, sometimes the pressure of being right back into it, you know, you just focus on what you have to focus on because you have no other choice. So that's that's all we can hope for. Um, I just want to end with, with with a parting shot. For the fact that the Jets even won that game against the Bills, the fact that they were even still in it, the fact that they didn't just lie on their backs and quit and get steamrolled as soon as that happened, we already mentioned is, is just a testament to Robert Sala. And I really think when you look at the grand scope of things and you look at how other teams have been built in the past and decisions from coaches and, and how they've handled games or managed games or, or what they had at their disposal to work with, there hasn't like been another coach in recent memory in my eyes that's had to deal with so much uncontrollable nonsense and still found, found a way to galvanize a locker room and keep the team together and have them established on a common goal. I mean, it's, could you imagine Adam Gase leading this team if that happened? Or Todd Bowles? Like, I'm, I can't, I can't no. even, <laughs> I, I, right. Like, it would be 45 nothing. Jets are a laughing stock. Here we go again. Like, that's what everyone was getting ready to type and, and have for their Tuesday morning columns uh, as soon as Rodgers went down. And that wasn't how the story ended. And, and it really is for all of the players that they've assembled, but for one other reason above all else, because of Robert Sala. And like I said before, that gives me hope, and that's where I want to end. This guy's leading the team, and that gives me hope. Yeah, same. <sighs> all right. And so ends the most difficult episode of the Oklahoma Drill Podcast I think we've ever had to record. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Matt, let the people know where, where they can find you, uh, and we can go ahead and wrap this one up and go cry in a corner for the rest of the evening. <laughs> Uh, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jeff on X. And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. And you can also find the show at OKD podcast on X. I guess we're officially <laughs> going with now. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in one more time. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of fan, biggest fan of it either, but teach their own. A lot of things happened recently that I haven't been a big fan of. You kind of just got to roll with it. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back soon to continue breaking down this season regardless of what happens one way or another. Enjoy the win while it lasts. The Bills are still frauds that 
they still lost to a Zach Wilson-led Jets team after four snaps of Aaron Rodgers got outplayed. Josh Allen got outplayed by Zach Wilson. We can revel in that. Appreciate you for stopping by, and we will be talking soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.